Canada was in the most secure range, less yeah. than five per thousand. We're yeah. in the next range up, uh, and um, China was very secure place. That's because Australia. it's all comfortable. Australia was very <laughs> Of course. They're, hold on. Hold on. Of course China is. Because where is most of this malware coming from? Oh, no. That's a whole other. I'm just saying. I don't want to hate on China, but. February 20th, 2013. This is episode 43 of Yats. It's yet another tech show every week, Wednesday night. Yet another tech show.com. That's our site. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Good evening, guys. We got Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? What's going on, Mr. Lee and everyone else? Got Mike Rothman. What's up, Mike? I'm just here with Mike Envy, guys. With your shiny new blue. That's <laughs> shine. Cool. Shiny new big blue. And uh, we got a buddy of mine from Montana here joining us, special guest from Simulit.com, Kevin Russell. What's up, Kevin? How's it going, guys? Great to be here. Hey, good to have you, man. So, like I said, uh, yet another tech show.com. Join us. Join the Google Plus community. And then Thursdays, join the smartphone photographer community. That thing is also just hand-in-hand with Yats, propelling forward through the social media network. And how are those hangouts yep. coming? This has been really, really fun, especially this week's challenge. It's been a guessing game, so if you're not in the community, hit us up and check out what we've been sharing every week. Yeah. You've got an amazing show there, Ant. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of fun, man. Yeah, Ant, you really lucked out with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it, and uh, before we talk about some tech news, I kind of I want to have Kevin kind of explain just a little bit of what we're doing over at Simulate.com. Kevin, uh, how are you doing, man? Good, man. Um, basically, we wanted to get this techno optimist framework out there. After reading Peter Diamanda's Abundance, it just changed my paradigm. I got wrapped up in all of that pessimism and apocalyptic type, you know, that resource scarcity and you know, every, all the, the, the horrors that come from that. And then Peter Diamandis was able to articulate this abundance so well. And him paired up with Jason Silva and another of, a number of other techno-optimists, just it, it really changed my paradigm. And it, how, how we don't have the means out there right now to have those conduits in which to express that, that information. So I figured uh, that would be the best way about going about it. So you said, let's build one, and you built yeah. it at Simulate.com. What is the yeah. Simulate, for those that might not know? The Simulate, well, it's based around the idea, the concept that the world is a simulation, and that gets into the, the Nick Bostrom simulation argument. And that as a framework, you know, this, how we use language to construct the, the reality around us. And using the simulation as a framework of building your your perceptual world actually provides for this really cool way of um, 
living life like a video game. And, and so if we can frame things optimistically rather than pessimistically, our outcomes probabilistically will be more positive. Yeah, the feedback loop. And so right. when you talk optimistically to yourself and you find the positive positive things around you, it, it creates that feedback loop. So check out simulate.com. And if any of that stuff interests you, we're doing a podcast. We're going to start one this Saturday. And then uh, if you guys want to write or talk about that kind of stuff, optimistic biotech, uh, brain, neuroscience, all sorts of cool stuff, uh, check it out. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, Ant, you want to start us off? You were covering a little bit, and I know we don't want to spend too much time on this because you're probably the only one besides Kevin that's into console gaming here, <laughs> uh, but the Sony had their announcement for the PS4, uh, and some people maybe got it wrong. I think we mentioned this last week that there some, some announcement or somebody mentioned that there wasn't going to be a big change in hardware, but that seems to be wrong. Uh, they, they yeah, mentioned- I, I was one of those people that thought that it wasn't going to be much of a change in the hardware, but man, they, they beefed it up. They got a um, an eight-core chip in there and uh, what is it, a 1.5 teleflop GPU in it. it it's, it's looking like it's going to be smoking, and they even put eight gigs of RAM on it, so... I, I was really impressed with what I saw today on the demo. And it's been what? Long. When was their last console? It's been a while, right? Over five uh, years? I think it's been about 10 years. <laughs> Chris Miller joining us for the podcast. Welcome, Chris. How you doing? I had to unmute myself. Doing well. Good. Good to have you. Turn What's your audio up, up a bit. Evening, Chris. Sorry, new microphone. I haven't fully tested it yet. Okay, uh, Mike. It's getting worse. <laughs> getting worse. <laughs> The pressure's on, Larry. <laughs> but no, it, this um, they they showed it off today, and there there are some things that that still needs to be answered. Number one, how much is this thing going to cost? And, and when? Two, when is it going to be? <laughs> when released? and how much? Okay. You know, I mean, this thing looked great, and they kept you on the hook for two for almost two hours today, and then they're like, "Okay, we'll see y'all in the holiday season. <laughs> see you, you for know, Christmas. And- <laughs> Don't forget Sony." Yeah, that's oh, bummer. What it, what does it do other than play games? Is it it plays no, Blu-ray? It's, it's no different from the PS4. Only only thing they really did was they changed up the the UI some. Not did I say PS4? Yeah, PS3. from the PS3. Yeah, you mean they changed up the UI some? They wanted to make it a little simpler and a little more elegant, and they're really leaning towards social gaming on there. Um, they even put a, a share button on the controller, which that's been rumored from day one. And what that'll do will allow you to take screenshots like you could before, but also take videos and send videos over to your friends. If you have a, a nice epic spot in the game, or if you pwn somebody, you can share that. Do out people really do that? I thought that was more of just like a prank joke thing. Like when they made the game videos and they were funny, but like, do people really like, I'm going to document my hours playing this game. <laughs> I, I can't see hey, that. The call, the call of duty franchise. They got that built in already. That you know, add this to your weird. COD TV is what they say. Wow, you know it's it, it's it's pretty popular. Like, come and over and watch me play this game, or watch me from your house play this game. Speaking of watch me play this game, they've added a feature where it's almost like remote desktop on the console. Really, um, you can beam up a video, say, "Hey, I'm on this this particular map, and I'm trying to get through it, but I don't know what to do." And if your friends in your network are available they can watch it but they can also take over your game and remotely 
play that that particular spot for you on the game. Literally hold your hand through the level. Literally hold your hand and wow. walk you through that zombie apocalypse. Huh. Wow. Now that that's the kind of friend I need. <laughs> Does that let I mean I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but for for a company that's been spending the last, you know, 5 years working on their next iteration of their star console like do you expect more than that like social gaming Ooh, i don't know maybe maybe it's just me that that doesn't do it for me well it it's about like when we look at our cell phones and tablets how much more can they do from a gaming standpoint 3d nobody gives a crap about yeah gimmick you you don't want a migraine from playing (laughs) games you know it's what else can you really do yeah, I mean, up the up the processor, up the RAM, up the graphics. But how how much more can you really do that? You're starting to hit those upper end and levels. Well, they they are no. now at the upper levels as far as the graphic processing go. Because I mean, I've said for the longest that the PS3, I love it, but it really hurts my feelings to look at Call of Duty on my PS3 versus coming over to my desktop computer and playing call of duty because of how the graphics cards are so much better on a computer well and if not you can just swap it out and and there you go right Right. but you know Ant, i think there is an answer to that question what more can can there be And, and that is uh playing the game out in the real world and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm segueing to Google Glass here, naturally. <laughs> so does it come so. down to accessories, peripherals, and ways to further immerse the body into the game? Is that where the next technology steps are going to be? I think the game lives on a massive server farm in the cloud. <laughs> and we interact with the game through movement in space through things like Google Glass and our mobile devices. You know what that and sounds through like? through interactions with others. You know what that sounds like to me? A simulation. Me. It's a simulation. Yeah, yeah, sure it's a simulation. It's exactly what it is. And 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 why not? And well they have that 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 acquisition with Gai Gaikai, I believe is their name. They're um a cloud-based gaming company and why not? Now, uh, Gaikai it was acquired by who? By Sony. By Sony, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Oculus Rift that's coming out? It was a Kickstarter project. Yeah, I actually wrote about that on Tech Page One for a Kickstarter article. That thing is pretty cool. I I kind of like. There was an episode of Big Picture Science where the host Seth Shostak went to this university and they put him in this room and connected him to this VR, but it was fully, like, auditory, tactile, smells, sound. I mean, everything was... And they created this this plank over this pit. And he, and the guy, they were doing studies on if they could scare people, you know, like this and, and change behavioral patterns based on what they experienced in this VR. And he said, like, some weird amount of people wouldn't go across the plank because they, they like... Sure. mentally it was they, real you know the sounds yeah. and it's so the, realistic the modern warfare they did that big bubble right uh, right yeah it's kind of like that you know it's guns, it's more he was reaching down to grab his companion and pull him he 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 felt it was real the immersion had passed that uncanny valley right and all you're doing at that point is tricking the brain via the signals that the brain uses normally you're just yeah. 
artificially creating these sales. So what I'm saying is until it gets to that point, then I don't, I don't know. I like the virtual boy back in the day. Like that was a cool <laughs> idea, you know, but it needs to either be perfect or just be an experiment. Well, we, we, yeah, we're drifting in that uncanny, uncanny valley right now. Right, and that's what I'm kind of worried about with with glass and with these these newer like like Oculus Rift and stuff. Is if if it works, but just not well enough, it's gonna just nobody's gonna want to adopt it, and and that it's gonna just fizzle out. Like they need to get it right. Yeah, I think the Oculus is the first step in the new type of uh, virtual reality immersion for sure. So I, I I don't know, man. I mean, I think, yeah, it's going to take time to get it right. And I'm sure, you know, the, the, the big gulp I have over Google Glass is the, the $1,500 price tag. That's just outside my oh, price dude. range. <laughs> I had no idea about that much. It man. is $1,500, and they, wow. they want you to fork that up to uh, well, and beta isn't, test. Isn't that what it was? Balls. Yeah, man, the balls say, hey, if you, you want to try out this new glass project, tell us why we should let you try it out, okay? Isn't that, isn't put that the ballsy? hashtag. When yeah, I read that, though. And now give me 1500 See, I didn't, I didn't read that part. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, oh, you just tell them what you're going to do case over. It's Google. They'll just send you one. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, you have to send us. Isn't 15 what they charge at I.O.? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So they charged it to the developers. That's I'm not developing it. I want <laughs> it to have already been developed and I will beta test it gladly. Either pay me or give them to me for free. I'm not going to pay 1500 to beta test. We learned yeah. our lesson with the first Transformer Prime doing that. No, no, no. But you could you could be the coolest kid in all of Montana. I don't know. I mean there already is. Well. <laughs> it's not No, Sergey, he lives up here. Oh. One of his homes, I'm sure. So it, they're spending a lot of money also on the other side, not just putting the technology into it obviously, but making them fashionable and there's if 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 you don't make them look good, if you make people look ridiculous, like most people aren't going to adopt it and it's going to flop. So they're paying close attention to making them comfortable, making them look stylish. They said like the first iteration was black and they thought everyone will, it's black, it's fine. And then they learned that on fair skinned people, black looks heavy. So they're like, oh, now we need colors and this and that and. You mean on Caucasians? On ca- on fairer skin. <laughs> on whitey up north. <laughs> ouch, ouch. But they have like all of these trendy eyeglass companies and fashion people and designers working to make them look nice and stylish and I hope I hope it works well, but for 1500, I don't know. They full of it. So you're not going to join the contest and send in application ideas. I was all set to right up to the part about the $1,500. I know it's hard enough getting people to, like, participate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of the participation to also pay, like, that's just double dip in Google. Either we participate. Is there anything about what apps would write on the thing that you got for $1,500? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there will, even at that price point, enough people, they'll get enough of a signal to, you know, dial them in for the next release or, or whatever. But I don't know. I think, I think people are hyping. What will the $1,500 Google Glass do? 
the day you get it. It will take pictures. It will record video. It will do some voice stuff. It will give you nav. No, you don't think so, Chris? What What's it going to do? Take pictures and video and that's it? It'll look hip. It'll look hip. That's <laughs> it? Already, man. Nothing? Yeah. It'll force close. It'll sleep of death. <laughs> It'll. You will get rip. those outstanding baby changing pictures. You know, mommy changing the baby's diaper and, and you know. In 3D as it's just coming at your face. It's terrible. <laughs> and so how does it take the picture? You got to blink? What, you what will takes blink. The you will so, blink so all day long, I'm taking pictures, and it's storing them where on the cloud? Probably to your Google Plus, to your instant share or whatever. So you've got to be connected to do it. It doesn't Which have is built-in connectivity. connected through your phone, connectivity via what, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi? Yeah, I'm going to have both on all the time. Those glasses and the Bluetooth. Yeah, well. No. <laughs> such a buzzkill, Chris. No, but I, I honestly think he's right because people have hyped it up to the point where we expect it's going to be this awesome augmented reality experience, and I don't think it's there. I don't know. I want to say I want to be the techno optimist, Kevin, and I want to say that these are going to change my life for fifteen hundred dollars, and I'm going to play Ingress with them, and I'm going to look no, up I reviews I on. This is a step there. I don't think it that, is. I think it the is contacts step. right now that are displaying what eighty pixels. So they have contact lenses with with you know displays on them, and I think that that will be immersion. Right now, it's it's outside of us. Well, and when that's what Kurzweil predicted was that yeah, we're going to have the lens action going on, and that was going to be fully overlaid augmented reality feeding us signals. Sure, this is a step that right towards now. that, but it's not there. No, not there yet. What do you guys, anything else on that? Should we move on? Let's yeah, talk about... Anything that would make me wear those suckers. Uh, oh, Larry, are you kidding? I've got Google Glass Envy, and I haven't even seen them in the wild. <laughs> I want to put them on and see that it's not anything what I expected and then throw them away. <laughs> that's Just that's give, give me version 2 or 3.0. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can imagine there'd be some app that you might put them on for to do that app and then take them off. Well, the like Layer or like Ingress, there. augmented reality stuff, but it's got to work good, and I don't, I don't know. I hope it does, but Chris is probably right. So It'll, Eventually, we'll do more stuff up front. I don't see it doing what you want it to do. Well, yeah, developers need to make apps, and they need ideas from people like us that are using this stuff, and until version one gets out into people's hands and they're like, oh, it works this way, then ideas will come and it'll happen. So, Okay, you know. I'm, I'm going out on a limb here uh, with a prediction, and I'm saying come this December, uh, when we do the retrospective, you know, top tech of the year podcast, that podcast, yeah. Google Glass is going to be in the one of the top three slots with Google, no top, functionality. Top, top tech of the year. I'm just saying by December, that's how we're going to be thinking about this. Thing. I feel it only right. takes one app to make it functional and viral. And think about IBM writing an application for Watson to interact with, say, like the, the surgeons, you know, or any of the doctors. It's becoming the ultimate diagnostician currently with it, with it digesting the millions and millions of volumes of medical journal and able to give a prediction of the diagnosis diagnosis on on these medical patients and that'll be functionality it'll actually become a utility for them you know so what? If, 
if he's we talking, he's I'm talking not realism. To, I'm, I'm, he's talking realism. Yeah, he's talking realism, but see, Mike's over there, and for lack of better words, looking through rose-colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one, Chris. I'm, well, I'm Watson, Watson is implemented in a number of hospitals right now, so he's he's there, and he's actually a companion. Well, it's the perfect engine for that, if you think about it. People are so different. If you can take all of the diagnosis for all of the people ever, feed it some questions, and it spits you out an 80% chance of this, it gives a doctor a, f- a better starting point than he would have previous. It's like playing all of the chess moves on 100 games all at once to find Absolutely. your next move. You know, it's- I, I, feel, I feel Watson is an alg- alg- algorithmic um, persona as far as it, it is IBM's house that is able to be the ultimate diagnostician right. without the that's cool. So we need something like uh, Google or what's that other search engine that people use that Siri uses? Uh, alpha. Wolfram. Wolfram. So you need to just pipe those yeah. signals into an overlay on your glass and then maybe maybe it'll be useful. Well, these are just interfacing the extended mind. Right. So the technium right. or, or that extended mind, these are interfaces or algorithms in which we can you know, harness and grasp that data. And so you're interfacing with the extended mind. So when the, the, the persona of Socrates is curied inside of Google, like, you know, how fast that transmission happens, that communication, then we have a philosopher that has the access to every, you know, philosophical quandary ever, you know, proposed. Is it real at that point? Can it manifest? Can it interact? It can just be referenced. Can I talk to Socrates with a microphone and a, and a uh, speaker like I'm talking to you right now, or do I have to have Google Glass? Actually, they did that with Tupac at that, that <laughs> festival. They could hologram Socrates in, give him well, access. Well, you can do that currently. Currently, I use Google, and I ask it you know, philosophical questions, and it, it searches its databanks, and it gives me a guess on what, what the best, best advice would be. You know, the best query and these algorithms are getting so defined that that lag time in which it gives me um, gives me that answer, that that gap, that lag time is shrinking. And so that the debates are happening, the conversations between, you know, the synthetic answer versus an actual real answer that that that, you know, line of distinction distinction is fading away. So when Google I, gets depressed, it's your fault. OK, <laughs> Mike, you remember you remember Eliza? Yes, I do remember Eliza. I, I I spent many an hour trying to get help from Eliza. <laughs> did, 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 she, did she save your marriage? <laughs> you know, she, she you know, just seemed to echo way, back things I said to her. And, you know, I, I can remember giving, I, in those days, this is a long time ago, you guys. I was running around putting teletypes in libraries and stuff for poor kids to use. And I would see kids talk an hour, two hours at a time to Eliza. And that's the truth. Um, Do you want to tell us what, what the heck is Eliza? What Eliza is? <laughs> it's a real simple conversational kind of a non-directive therapist simulator. Oh, I remember hearing about that in a book I was reading way yeah. back in the day. Yeah. So, Larry, I'll, I'll be the patient and you be Eliza. <laughs> tell me more, Mike. <laughs> so, Why so did you I, get a blue microphone mic so I, I i wanted to i wanted to ask her out but i didn't know how to how to do it how did you feel about that 
So anyway, you get the idea. That's amazing. <laughs> and it all fit on 8K, right? And you did. Yeah, it, was, it was written in basic. basic. That's so cool. And you you did it over a teletype. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> no, and, you know, experts in medical diagnosis, expert systems date back to that era too. But um, I'm not saying that they're not going to get better. But they there was a lot of hope for them in the 1970s, 1960s. Um, their legal problems were one thing they got. But it's the same basic idea, right? That it asks a basic question out of four basic starting questions. It gets a reply. It cares nothing but the reply, but asks for more. And eventually the person's pouring their heart out. But let's go for it. On expert systems, I I was talking about um, uh, self-driving cars or autonomous driving cars. And it turns out I found just looking on uh, YouTube to show as an example, Audi is, is, is working on their self-driving car, but not trying to get it to drive around the city, but to try to be a race car. And the way they're programming it, and this sounds right up to you guys, Allie, uh, the conversation, it, they are not giving it rules. They're not writing, um, you know, uh, uh, conventional programs. They're wiring up a race car driver having him drive around, read EKG signals off of his brain, try to infer what he's doing, and try then to use that as input to this expert system that drives a race car. You, yeah, you would uh, have better odds wearing Google Glasses with that. <laughs> <laughs> with that automated. Absolutely don't need Google. But I'll, I'll send you guys a link to it. It's kind of, it's way more unbelievable than this self-driving car, but they show this thing right, racing up Mike's Peak and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. It's the yeah. difference between offensive programming and defensive programming. Well, I think the difference between Watson is that it has the deep QA. So oh, it, yeah. Yeah. it has an understanding of human language, hence why it was able to, to win at Jeopardy. And not just win, it, it surpassed any human yeah. um, with, yeah. with understanding natural language. No, don't get me wrong. I really don't want to compare some uh, you know, prologue uh, written, an expert system written oh, sure, prologue sure. with Eliza. With uh, Watson, don't worry. No, All right, I think we it's should, beautiful it would, though. Whatever we, happened to Doug Lennett's project? That what was it called down in Texas? He was also building a massive knowledge base to drive a uh, AI system. I can't remember what it was called. If I'm not know, too sure. It sounds like it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Oh, Crickets. You're, you're you're talking about a guy 25 years ago that was trying to do that. Yeah, but he worked on it for like 10 years or something. It was a real yeah. big. Highly hyped project, remember? It was epic. Yeah, yeah. And whatever happened to it? Yeah, I, I, I'll make a make you a guess, and that is that Google came along and um, blew it out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Not like how Apple jumps in and says, "Hmm, that tech looks interesting. We're going to gobble you up right now <laughs> and never hear from them again." Is that what happened with Google doing this? Well, I'm I'm just guessing. That's just a <laughs> Google a, does a no evil, here. so I don't know. Chances are, if anything, they gave him a bunch of money and then told him to. Uh, I don't know. I I think this disappeared before Google. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it it probably did. Yeah. All right, and, let's and what, shift. I was, what I was really suggesting was that with the kind of search capabilities that Google gives us, all that we take for granted today, that product that this guy was developing 
a generation ago is sort of obsolete. It wasn't a, it, you know what, he was taking a rule-based, he was an yeah. academic guy, wasn't a product, but it was rule-based, whereas <laughs> Google was just big database, you know? Yeah. Big data. Big data. Well, speaking of, data. of big data, we should talk about the techno panic uh, and uh, Jeff Jarvis on the BBC telling them that <clears throat> they're very irresponsible for the, the reporting of this Facebook hack and saying everyone should be freaked about their, their data and, and whatnot. And then Apple apparently gets hit by the same people. But do you guys, you guys all watch the video. Uh, we'll start with you, Ant. What did you thoughts on the, the Jarvis techno panic? Well, it, it started with, you know, I was just going through my Google Plus stream and Jeff Jarvis has this long post like he was explaining himself. And I'm like, why is he explaining himself? What did he do? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I, I read into it and then he attached a video and oh, man, it, it's kudos to Jeff, man. They, they wanted him to come on and talk about this hack and him being a professional said, look, this is not as big an issue as you guys are making this out to be. Please do not go into this. Please do not blow this up. But so of what, course, what really happened was there, there's this thing called a watering hole attack. And basically you target sites that people you really want to target are visiting because those sites are generally going to be easier to hack, attach malware to, whatever. And so a few Facebook laptops or something got hit by some malware that was on these sites, but there was no data compromise as far as everyone knows. And, and there was nothing that came of it. It was your general internal it. Let's wipe those and start over. Don't go to that site anymore. Problem solved. But they made it sound like Facebook got hacked and all of your base are now belong to them. And that's, that's it. And that's, Jeff was absolutely right, and in, in yeah, he their... detailed it out to them perfectly, and he and yeah. the the BBC just didn't want to hear it that way. All they heard was the buzzword of Facebook and hack. That's all they heard, right? And, and then writing the link just... bait because we're all worried about traffic and clicks, so we gotta exactly. shape our heads to that, you know. And before you know it's... it, but their mistake was when Jeff said this is a non thing. I'm not gonna interview about this. They should have been like, oh. Okay, you know what? You're right. But they pers- and there you go. That's what happens. That's the thing. He kept insisting that yeah. this was something serious on live television. I tried and then to Jeff tell just you. finally broke down and said, Look, this is crap. You know, it's total BS. And they wanted to, to cut him off. Do you blame That's- him though? If if you're not if they're not gonna listen to you then, they're gonna listen to you when you're live, might as well. Right. He gets on there and he says, this is crap. And this is BS. so awesome. And the BBC says, we're, we're, we're going to have to ask you to curtail your, your language there. And he's like, I said, crap? I, I could say a lot worse than that. You know? <laughs> you know, It just kept going on and on and on. And finally, they just said, you know what? We're not getting anywhere with this. We had our own agenda with this story. But this this Jeff Jarvis guy is not cooperating with our agenda, so we're going to go ahead and just cut which this is off. weird because I I vaguely recall somebody like him saying that he wasn't going to cooperate. Like, really, you're not expecting that exact behavior? It was brilliant. <laughs> so we'll put it's links to it in the show about notes. Some you guys... of the journalism today, man, it's like you said, everybody wants to to just put out their clickbait. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I write stuff and I, I would love for people to read it, but I try my damnedest not to put some stupid crap out there just to get folks to come over. I mean, That's even though problem. I'm writing about PlayStation 4, I'm not going to put in the headline Apple just because it'll draw my <laughs> eyeballs. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm I'm with you, man, and I'm I'm with Jarvis. I, this this mainstream media is, uh, kind of paranoia it, it just gets real tiring. It is. It's a techno fear mongering of sorts, which I don't see. The only way they really benefit is just by the clicks, and it goes viral because people are scared. They tell their friends. They share it. They want it. But they're not benefiting in any other way. They're not selling you an alternative or giving you any kind of help. You know, it's They're just like, be scared. Click this. Bye. But how easy <laughs> is that to hijack and manipulate? The amygdala is primed for them to just hijack and take well and that's why it works and that's why it continues to happen and that's why phishing scams work and that's why social engineering works you know it's yep but i think that that actually pleads the the case for this techno optimism that needs to come out of it because that fear i mean it it really drives people to the to that state of chaos that they'll become a mass murderer like that that type of limbic you know amygdala type of thinking that fear that comes out of it that needs to be firewalled against when we live in the condensation of our imaginations that Terrence McKenna would say, because right now the, the lag time for our imaginings to instantiate into the reality around us, it's just, you know, when we think of something, it, it's there we, with 3D printing now. It's just, it's in digital form, ready to be printed out right there, instantiated right at your fingertips. Well, if people are there with this this propaganda, making them, you know, primed and ready to go do mass shootings, that that's manipulated with an agenda by the people at the top. That needs to be, you know, atrophy. That, that whole system has to atrophy and die off because it's becoming dangerous. It's weird that it's popular, though, that way. But that's just the, that's the natural state of the human brain. The amygdala is primed. Right, to look but it's danger. weird that we've allowed it to remain so popular for so long. Yeah, I, I, again, I think that it's just the natural state of the brain, and it's what's been there. It's it's what's been the norm for so long. Is the only way to get your information was through the ma- the mainstream media. It's only new. I I think of the internet like the 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 new extended neocortical function. And so at one point, the limbic system only had the limbic system to orient itself throughout the the world. But then we upgraded with the neocortex, and that gave us a whole new broad range of abilities. What uh, makes it, Kevin, what makes that delay real time? What makes the delay of what? The delay of that information coming in, the thought, the manifest. What can we do to make that real time? At one point, it was, you know, how I could, you know, manipulate manipulate objects around me and with my fingers and stuff. And then the fingers touch the keyboards and the keyboards wrote codes that then programmed, you know, the, the robots to then create a car. Cars are start in the imagination and they end up at a factory and then we drive them. But you know, that lag time is shrinking ever, ever quicker. And it's at the point now that we were able to, you know, print in, in nano scale, you know, these tiny little things with 3d printers using lasers to, to print, you know, nano materials, and th- th- that's going to be very dangerous if we keep the limbic system activated through the media, keeping it activated with the type of news that they push. Okay. If it le- if it bleeds, it leads. Cannot so, be. So people are people are going to get scared, print themselves out a gun and some bullets and a clip, and then go go crazy. Yeah, that's but that's a, there's, a new, <laughs> there's a new book out that I would love to have people read so they can get a true perspective. Sam Sheridan wrote the disaster diaries 
And it was, he was just plagued with this apocalyptic type of view of reality around him and having his kids grow up in this world. And so it, the book's quote is, you know, how I learned to love the apocalypse or something. Stop worrying about the apocalypse and learn to love it. And it's looking at actually what happens in natural disasters. We just had one in Japan. And we always think that, oh, it's going to be mass anarchy and hysteria and there's going to be raping and pillaging and, you know, looting and all of these things that the mass media would tell us. But in reality, what happens is people wait in line for hours and they there's a tsunami coming in. The apocalypse is washing ashore and they wait at a red light. That is literally what happens in apocalyptic type events with the human system. And, and we don't go into the darkness of our nature. We actually come into the community in which we, you know, we, we, we turn to our community in the times of need. We don't turn against each other. Given the actual data of apocalyptic type events that happened in the last just 10 years, we have the evidence to show that. And that book, uh, uh, The Disaster, Desire, Disaster Diaries, uh, articulates that beautifully. You know, there's uh, a guy about two, three years ago wrote a book, a real similarly themed book uh, that I'll try to I'll dig up a reference for you on the, the community that forms around the sort of in the inconceivable ability of carrying on a normal life in, in uh, Bombay and the way that people gather. They've given up on the government and they've found ways to take care of themselves. That being said, uh, I mean, people also do really crappy things when, when uh, I'm, you know, people do do looting. You shouldn't kid oh, yourself absolutely. that everything is wonderful. In a statistical average, there's always going to be the, the people out there that, that make that. But statistically, it is a very small section. And to, you know, spend our mental resources worrying about that, because the, the actual chemicals that are excreted when the limbic system is active, the nephrinephrine kicks off, you know, all this cortisol kicks off the higher functioning parts of the brain, limiting your cognition, limiting your perspective of the world around you to only fight, fight or flight type of reflex. Dude, Matt, I know how we can shrink that window down to that real time. How? Uh, we get a real time uh, translator for when Kevin talks, so I can understand what he's talking about. <laughs> real time voice processor that can read all his big words, and the dictionary flies across the screen. <laughs> he's talking about the singularity. Don't worry about it. We'll wake you up when I will, it happens. I will try to slow down. <laughs> no. Dude, no, I I have no problem with slowing down. I just amazed at the words you use in one sentence. That's his all. It's fantastic. That was brother sharp. Ain't he? Words up, man. Words <laughs> up. Not only is he sharp, but I I'm typing it in, and it's like, no, he's tight. He's talking faster, and you can look up. Words. <laughs> That's the key for this whole thing. You know so, what's Olympic. beautiful is Google. As I type it in, it finishes my curie faster than I can think. And so it's showing that lag time. If you're giving me that compliment, I'm giving that further on to Google because <laughs> it's guessing is getting so instant that it is my extended mind and I use it as such. And so it's, it's hyper primed my ability to make associations, to broaden my perspective. It wants and to into it. It wants to know yeah. what you want to search for before you know, so that it can have it there ready and say, Oh, and by the way, here's an ad for it. Cha-ching. Well, sure. But, but again, I think that there's some beauty to it because we are, you know, when you activate those higher parts of the neocortex, you know, ev neocortical evolution ensues when you stay on that higher bits of the brain. If you're constantly, you know, stimulated with fight or flight type of reflexes, then you're myelinating. You're literally, you know, 
putting more scaffolding in the limbic system. And so we need to let go of that scaffolding. We need to stay up on the higher functioning parts of the brain. I feel that's that's my techno What he's saying is if you don't use it, you lose it. What, Larry? You're sort of asking to change human nature. I mean, how are you going to suppress that stuff with drugs? I don't. I don't think I think one it's way or the other. I think that's a great point, but I don't think it's suppressing. I think it's amplifying. It's, at once I needed the appendix. At once I needed that fight or flight. Once I needed the amygdala to see the tiger in the bushes and to to pro right, right. to pump the adrenaline to make me run. The point is, it, though, if if you can get enough people to do it, you change the social norm, which will drag everyone else kicking and screaming. <laughs> Whoa. Like those dogs, uh, into the new the new modern. Who way let of the dogs out? That guy did. Hey, Larry. Uh, let's let's talk about you. Were, you wrote a, a blog post about measuring and predicting cybersecurity. Since we we're talking about a little hacking earlier, not really hacking, but more of laying traps you know, for people. Okay, I can tell you about that. Let, let me make a. Di- well, okay, I'll tell you about. It. Yeah, there. Um, where were the guys from? They're from Microsoft Research. And I, I think that uh, you could build a case this is kind of hokey. But they have come up with what they're trying to do is see if they can predict um, using demographic-type variables and also looking at policies that, that states and, and localities adopt, if they can predict cyber vulnerability. And so they, they wrote this paper, and they've got um, – you can look at the blog post. You know, they've got one of those cool world maps where – you know, the countries that are really vulnerable are bright red, and the countries that aren't so vulnerable are, you know, yellow and stuff. I, there's a name for those maps, but I forget what they're called. And uh, what they use, the way they gather their data, their dependent variable, the way they measure vulnerability of the country is by uh, back to big data. They get, there's this um, uh, malware, what do they call it, the Microsoft. Malware, malware removal tool. Malicious software Malicious removal tool. There you go. Okay, so that's... I mean, yeah, all right. And that, that's running all over the place. And it and when it finds... When it runs, it phones home and it tells Microsoft, hey, I removed some malicious software. Or, hey, I ran and I didn't re- remove any. So they're they're basing their, their assessment of a country's uh, vulnerability by the by the number of, of malicious softwares that turn up per thousand scans. Uh, that's their dependent variable. And, they, and they've got all kinds of independent variables and also policies, uh, policy things like has the country signed up for uh, 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 certain treaties and stuff. So they're, they're trying to A, say which countries are most vulnerable and B, uh, see if they can build it's a model really that will predict that. And that's it. So right now it's looking like somewhere in Africa, and I have to zoom in on that map. What yeah, who's that? who's the most vulnerable and who's the most secure? Do we have that data? Yeah, the the most half about half the African nations they're saying uh, they don't have enough data to make a judgment. Like as I recall, I'm not looking at the map. Canada was in the most secure range, less yeah. than five per thousand. We're in the next range up, uh, and um, China was very secure place. That's because Australia. it's all coming. <laughs> of course, they're, hold on, hold on. Of course, China is because where is most of this malware coming from? Oh, no, that's a whole other. I'm just saying. I don't want to hate on China, but 
We we should talk about the what's going on with that Chinese hacker expose too. That's still going. Uh, it's going through changes. But well, hey, what happened? We should finish this other one first, I guess. They've gotten more leads or something, Larry. Yeah, I haven't no, been I following haven't. it. The the guys that did the study published a report. Uh, it's a pretty long report. It's, um, I can't remember. It's it's a substantial report. That's probably yeah. why I haven't followed it. It's too long. All right. Well, let me <laughs> short attention it. spans. I've three read minute bits. Thing, trust me. But here's the the bottom line. Their report in their report they assert not only is all this hacking been coming from China, but they can tell you which organization, which is part you know which department of the army the Chinese army that it is, what the, you know, the organizational unit is, and they can tell you which building they are located in. And they mm. publish maps of and pictures of the building in Beijing. Mm. So they're, they're not only saying the Chinese guys did it, we've got smoking guns and here's where their offices are. And my wife, I told my wife that and she said, whoa, it's time for a drone. I was but, just thinking that. Is that weird? Like, are they going to do that? <laughs> There's that old amygdala kicking in. Let's kick the bastard's ass. I know. Um, no, we, we should like educate them. We should be educated. <laughs> let me just tell, I'll tell you one more thing that you guys can kick it around. They also published on their website uh, about a five, six minute video of just screenshots of these guys observing these Chinese guys doing their thing. Uh, and it's sort of, we talked a little bit last time, I think, about Clifford Stahl, the way he, he kind of watched the hackers do the, the cuckoo's nest exploits. It is, a, is it as cool as they make it in the movies? Is it all like... What you're seeing there, you've just seen... Uh, it's people typing. It's, it's IRC. It's just, it's just like a Camtasia movie, you know? Oh, look, now he's typing. He's running this program. Now he's, uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's, he's got this false ID. He's trying to see if he can get into uh, Microsoft Exchange. Oh, yeah, he's in. Oh, he's listing the guy's emails. You know, it's just like, uh, <laughs> he's That's transferring awesome. the file now. Uh, you know what I mean? So it, it's uh, sort of half, uh, it's just a lot of stuff going by on, uh, on DOS windows. But um, the Chinese have totally denied it. They say the whole thing's bogus. And, you know, you can't. I don't think this is the case, but it would have shit. I could have made that movie myself in an hour. You know, it, it, who's to who's to know for sure that the movie's real? So they frame China, then a drone strike happens, and then they retaliate because they really didn't do anything in the first place. And we have an episode of Prison Break on our hands, boys. There you go. But anyhow, it's kind of the story goes on, and now they've gotten very specific about their allegations, hmm. and China's. And, and yeah, if you want to watch, you should go watch the little movie. That's worth watching. Is anyone worried about this? Does anyone have Chinese malware on their their systems? Oh, uh, you know, I think that this. I'm not. I don't know anything about security, but I think the security guys now are saying, okay. In this report, they list all the different, you know, their appendices to the report, saying this is all the different uh, exploits they're using. And so the security community is going around saying, ah, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we can identify all of those. We've got hashes for all of those. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it is what it is. Note but to self, make sure my torrents aren't coming from China. Lines, back to this thing of panicking people. These are probably things you wouldn't have heard of, except they went after media like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and those guys. They want to publish the story because that's the business they're in. Oh, so sure. Maybe sure. Over, it's maybe really overblown. Uh, 
just along the way we were talking before. But it's getting a lot of publicity. I've been following it. And, you know, my take on it is is that uh, this is about economic uh, hacking. They're, they're going out after valuable intellectual property, and they're probably getting a lot of value out of it. You know what else they're going after, Mike, though, that's, uh, is uh, sources. They're trying to catch people. They want to know who sources for New York Times articles, for example, guys that are in their country that are, you know, politically uh, cooperating with the New York Times or whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were trying to figure out who leaked the info on the story about their their guy. Yeah, because they're like that. That shouldn't be out there. You're right. That was the first break when they first broke the story. That's what they were claiming. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, all, all, all those attacks that are uh, being registered by the Microsoft, what is it? And Microsoft malicious, malicious software, software removal tool. Uh, they're all, they're all. Being I'm not, I'm not quite as eloquent with my vocab as Kevin is. The SRT is you know, good stuff, it. though. I wrote about that quite a while ago, back when we were writing for Byte, I think, and I tested it out. And between that and the the security safety scanner, like they've. They've pretty much upped their game and got it covered in that area, and third-party tools are kind of useless at this point. How, how does that compare to that forefront that Microsoft has, too? It seems like they've got two There's computers. a bunch of different tools. Some are just live scanners. Some are just what? I, I don't know what the real difference is. They, oh, it all I, seems I like I they all do the same thing in different I downloaded, ways. When I read this, I downloaded the Microsoft malicious software removal tool. <laughs> Yeah, and I ran it. The user interface is exactly the same as Forefront. Yeah, it's probably the same. Not much. It's real simple. Do you want to do a full scan or a partial scan? Yeah, exactly. It's probably all the same stuff. Yeah, Which is kind of what they did to the third-party firewall companies back in the day when they were like, oh, I guess we should bundle this with Windows. Yeah, since I've moved to Windows 8, I haven't picked up any other tools that I used to use, such as uh, SpyBot and Malwarebytes. I just used this... um, malicious software removal the tool SRT. for now. Yeah, unless, unless, it's something, <laughs> unless I see something that's really freaking complicated and needs its behind kick before I format it kind of thing. But most of the time, I'm I'm sort of a manual hunt and pick guy, you know? You like manually hunting registry keys? That's no I'm fun. Dead, I'm dead serious. That's, I, I feel That's because you get better. paid by the hour. This is why you should never pay IT by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Classic example. This guy milking I'll tell it. you, man. Give me, let me go in the registry myself. I feel a lot better. It's my own peace of mind, I guess. I like I to just know. close my eyes and click OK and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, before we tips. wrap this thing up, running, Mike, you, you start running all your stuff in a VM like real people. You use <laughs> there you throw go. It away. Just fire it up, do what you want to do, and just throw it in the trash and have a copy of it ready to go. You never have a problem. I run all my yes. stuff on Chrome, so there. I'm saying it with Chrome in the VM. That's what you do. even better on a bootable <laughs> CD, so you can't change anything in the system. Perfect. Exactly. And you've got copies of it and yeah. you boot it up and you don't have to worry about privacy mode because you don't even log in and you throw it away. And nothing's writable. In. Nothing's writable. You're per- <laughs> perfect. All right. Uh, hey, Mike, let's let's do a little Windows 8 discussion before we get out of here. We got like 10 minutes left. Give me your 10 minute Windows 8 wrap up. Well, Windows you know, Pro. Windows 8, you know, it's the it's the operating system everyone loves to uh, to rag on. Right. 
the the uh, big knock being the split personality. And so I was just sort of interested in reading a couple of pieces in the MIT Technology Review, which, you know, is kind of a serious publication, serious yep. people. Uh, they, they led with a review of Windows 8 uh, and uh, were really pretty complimentary about it, although did have to concede, as we all concede, the split personality is a little weird. <laughs> weird being their term for it. But, you know, they, they get the story about one user interface that spans desktops, laptops, tablets, cell phones, etc. cetera. Uh, so, so that much you know, is, is pretty routine, but a serious review and uh, by and large a, a good review. Then uh, uh, the, the next article up is a Q&A with Steve Ballmer. And, Those are uh, always fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except that this Q&A does not sound like a real interview. It sounds like they submitted questions. A press and, release? A finely yeah, yeah, crafted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the PR hacks wrote all the answers uh, for for Ballmer. Oh, man. The new Which Windows is, 8 system is more more secure and faster, and you'll love it. Yeah, exactly. And you know he's he's pumping the the again the benefits of the of the common interface. So I guess I guess where I am with this is thinking, you know, Windows 8 is a product that's here to stay. It's going to evolve undoubtedly over the next few years. I think probably eventually the desktop goes away, and uh, the the real the real question is a year from now, two years from now, is that Windows market share outside of the corporation growing or shrinking? And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it's shrinking. My boss asked me today because his wife broke her iPad, so he's going to give her his iPad. And then he wants to buy a tablet, and he said he was looking at these Windows Surface tablets and stuff. And he, he but then he saw my Nexus Ten, and he's like, he kind of liked that. So I was, I was torn between, you know, you want to hack on something, try something that's new, and see how it goes. You know, maybe one of these Windows tablets would be cool to mess with. But if you want something that's going to work and and whatnot, you and have the apps that you want that you have on your phone because it's an Android phone, you want the the Ten. So. It's funny we're bringing this stuff up. I've had, I want to say, at least three different messages, phone calls, or what have you to me about Windows 8 this week. Hmm. You know, and we're only on Wednesday, you know. And and I, I, I tell everyone listening to this show the same thing I told everyone else is I don't have, have a problem with Windows 8. I think it's fine on the desktop if you have dual monitors. If you don't, don't do it keep it at Windows 7. That's that's just me. You get Metro on one monitor and desktop on another monitor and it's it's totally fine. You can't split screen two desktops like two one I believe one. I can. I haven't really tried that, but I know that there is some type of split screen. No, you, you, uh, you you can have here. you can have both desktops up show uh, both monitors up showing two different desktops. Yeah, I'm doing that right now as we're doing this recording. But yeah, you know, most of the time I have one screen that's just strictly, you know, a metro screen and then the rest of the time it's another desktop screen going. And and I love it. It's it's so much faster than than 
what I expected it to be. I guess I have low expectations or something, but I don't really have any issues with it. I don't. Why can't? Why would you not tell a guy? Why would you not tell somebody that instead of using Windows Seven, use Windows Eight and just forget the Metro interface, just run it as a Windows machine? Well, yeah. If you can, if you can just go ahead and run that hack that kills off the Metro, yeah, you'll be fine. You know, but most of the people I talk to, can't you just jump into it and then never go back? Yeah, you can. There's a, there's a, there's the, um, the button to get you straight to the desktop from the Metro UI. But again, if these people are probably wanting to just totally go to a desktop interface and no Metro at all. It's a little jarring to be in the desktop, flip to the Metro interface, flip back. I mean, it, it, I do get even, you know, months into using it now, it, it's a little jarring in that sense. Right. But, but and I'm staying one or the other. You're going with, from a I tablet interface on your PC to your desktop, but you're not actually yeah. picking up a tablet. It's like, right. right. If you're yeah, going to have it on a tablet, weird. I think the Surface tablet would be just fine. The few minutes that I've played with the Surface tablet, it, it, it seemed all right. It, all of the swiping gestures and everything They're all works there. perfectly. Yeah, it works perfectly. See, considering... I told him he should maybe wait for other manufacturers to put out a product because we've only really seen the two yeah. kind of just designs, really. I mean, I don't know. Well, I see. There, I see. There the, actually, there are actually a fair number of products now out, uh, touch-based products, in places like Best Buy and and so on. Uh, they're just they're just starting to hit those stores, and they're they're not bad products. But I agree. I think Microsoft's first-generation Surface products are a little underpowered and a little disappointing in terms of speed and capacity. They now, I, I agree. So I did the Surface review. The capacity was a little misleading. People were upset about the amount of disk the OS used on the tablets themselves. But back to the interface, keep in mind it looks a lot like Xbox, which is one of the things they want to do. It looks yep. like the tablet. It looks like the Xbox. It looks like Windows 8. But then to bring up Larry's point was, well, why can't they just run the old interface? Or, you know, picture this. I can buy 7 cheaper now anyway. If I'm going to run 8 in that mode, why would I need eight? Cause there's nothing I really gain from it unless I want to start hooking into some of the other features that would be tablet. Like why right. wouldn't I stay? At because seven? people I'm keep writing faster. stories that are saying that the, the it's faster, the system it's yeah. faster. It's better anyway. Is. So is I it think it's well, faster, faster in a worthwhile way though. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you for sure. Uh, eight boots up much faster than seven. And it does things like file copies faster and in a safer manner. So there are some real sort of bedrock reasons to upgrade to 8, even if you never plan to use Metro. And, and, and for $40, I mean. What would be safer about a file copy? Uh, <laughs> well, I think the... I think the Chris, you're asking a question I don't fully understand because the the knock on seven is that their file copy mechanism hasn't been entirely reliable, but they changed in eight the way file copies were, as I understand it. So reliability, and, not, reliability yeah, yeah. Reliability, not security, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Reliability. Okay. So you if I have a file right. open and I try to copy it and then delete it and it gives me that weird, stupid error, like they fix that problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I, I love how, you know, like Mike was saying, just the boot time on it is so much faster. And then, you know, most geeks don't ever shut down their computer and I'll, I'll have my computer running all day. But if I get up off of the ass groove of my couch and come over here to check something, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll move, I move the mouse because it's in, you know, like sleep mode or whatever. And you'll hear the disc spin up and, and let you do whatever you need to do. And if I'm just sitting here, even if I'm just sitting here talking in the hangouts or just reading some stuff, the disc will spin down and, and only pop up when I really need them to, to function. I mean, it's really, it's really efficient and really quiet. You know, we appreciate you bringing that up. We didn't want to bring up the ass groove in your couch behind you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no place like it, baby. <laughs> it's like Cushion Sheldon flipper. on the big bang theory. It's like his spot. Cause it's Cushion flipper. to Cushion his flipper. ass. Smart foam. <laughs> Uh, and once again we circled the drain all right so anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap this up did you and you mentioned uh, yahoo got a little redesign i have to say that was the first time i've gone to yahoo in probably eight years so thank you for that it ain't been eight years for me but it's been a couple and it looked the same uh, to me just shinier like i was on the tablet and i looked at it in desktop mode and it looked the exact same i don't know I, Yahoo, I don't dude. like it. It's, it's changed a little bit. They made it a Yahoo. little more tiled on the UI, and they've added a little more of that purple Yahoo branding color to it. Nice. But, um, I think I, it's just another attempt for them to focus on their their Yahoo products. You know, like there's Flickr over on the right hand side, and some of the other stuff on the news right-hand and side. finance. What, what you heck? know, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my knock on it. I, by the way, I think it's a cleaner, more modern, more attractive design but it is still Yahoo. And you know, you, you go to their homepage and the, the top part of their homepage, I just pulled it up. It's, it's showing three attractive young woman model types. Well, they and, know their demographic, I guess. Yeah, they know their demographic. <laughs> exactly. Does it say click yep. this? Yeah, that might exactly. be malware. Yahoo might be. I don't want to tell malware. What the heck are you looking at? Because I don't see that at all on Yahoo.com. <laughs> well, I'll, that might I'll be malware, you. Mike. Now That's I would like. No, no. Uh-uh. We should. He can share his desk. He can share it. But what I'd like to print while Mike brings up his desktop, I want to point something out. Is that Yahoo still on the left hand side of that navigation has one of the top properties on the web that drives more traffic? It's unbelievable. OMG. OMG is one of the top properties on the web. It is an entertainment portal, and it is huge. And we overlook the fact that they own OMG. Yeah. That's but I don't point. know what's what Mike's looking at because I don't see. Yeah, anything. I just went to Yahoo and there's no pretty girl. There's a cop and a lady. I got news. I got all sorts of cool stuff. I got an article about a hairy situation. Is the Brazilian wax over? Yeah. Guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I, got that, I got the article there. But that's Click cool. Mike. Let's see what he's got. Let's go. I'm, yeah, I'm sharing the screen. This is this is one of them. And then up right. in this section a minute ago, there were there were two very attractive young women. Oh. And then there's He's got the uh, Brazilian wax oh, wait, story. Wait, 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 she's back. See, there she is. Ooh. Oh, it's the and Academy Awards, of course. I've got the I've got the uh, Golden Gate Bridge there. And now over here we get uh new minimum for uh, most jobs. We see Mike not using ad blocker there with a nice discover ad. <laughs> Good, Mike. I got the same ad. I've got the same ad. It on does that. look yeah. more Googley. Is that what I'm thinking? What? 
What does no, that look seems more, more like? Microsoft-y, I it's guess. More like Apple-ish. No. It's all tiled. Wait, it's look Apple-y. on the right-hand side. If you tell me that weather that weather one doesn't look like the new cards in the new update for Android on your device, Google now. Oh yeah, Google okay. now. You're you right. That. Is Google yeah. is Google API Marissa. feeding Yahoo weather news? <laughs> Marissa, <laughs> right? We got to make it cards. It's all about cards. All right. Well, thanks for the tour of the new Yahoo.com, Mike. I knew you would want it. (laughs) That nobody uses. Hey, that apparently, (laughs) according to Chris Miller, a ton of people use. Uh, The the homepage for Yahoo is their uh, homepage, that personalized homepage is still huge. And OMG in that property that's on the left. I've heard entertainment, sports, and finance are their strong. I definitely go to Yahoo Sports. I will admit that. Sure. Yeah. Sports writers are awesome. They actually have. I sat with them out at Bloggers, uh, Bloggers for Balls out in Vegas for a fundraiser, and their yeah. sports writers are paid well and, w- and very talented. At what they, they are. That good. was, that was that. Bloggers for Balls. I was going to leave that alone. <laughs> I was totally going to leave that alone. But. Let, me, let me reiterate Bloggers with Balls, but it was a ah. fundraiser. <laughs> With, that uh, sounds even better. That makes <laughs> more sense. It's like, dude, bloggers. <laughs> I get you know that. Why okay. I was, you know why I was with balls? No, it was a fundraiser <laughs> that they brought everybody in to play against poker professionals oh for God. charity. Oh, blogger, right. So I sat with Karina Jett at a table, and we played. It's bloggers with balls. You stepped up and played pro poker players for charity. So it was, uh, damn, how'd son. You, how'd you do? Uh, let me put it to you this way. I survived to the last three people at the table until literally – she had been talking to the other pro players behind her back, turned around and said an expletive, and then wiped us all out in a matter of like three hands. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's, that's why. That's why she's World Poker Tournament, you know, material. She had her shirt on and everything, but yeah, it was it was unbelievably, ridiculously saddening. She beat us that bad in three hands. <laughs> that's hard. Wow. Thanks for thanks for the memories. I'll go cry now. <laughs> All right. Well, while Chris is crying, let's wrap this thing up. Plugs real quick. Ant, what's going on? Uh, usual, just check me out on anewdomain.com. Yes, we are .com now. I have articles over there. I prefer the well .net, as... personally. I'm a .net kind of guy. Oh, you're old school. I'm sorry. And the smartphone um, photographer hangout. Tomorrow Smartphone evening. photographer hangout is tomorrow. I'm gonna win. And, um, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win that one. No, you're not gonna win. I'm I'm telling you, I'm loving my my little image. Nobody can guess it just yet. And you're gonna be pissed off when you see what it actually is. It's gonna is. be like a shot of his butt or something. No, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the ass part of his couch. Sorry, my butt is not as pale as that image that I've shared. <laughs> Sorry. At least we won't have to be immersed in it. Awesome. So check out Ant's butt groove on his couch. All right. Uh, Larry. Larry's got his blog. Where's that at, Larry? Oh, I've got a bunch of blogs over on Blogger just because Google's right. going away. I'm a non-commercial guy. I have nothing. Google Larry Press. He doesn't care. Mike Rothman. Go to Google profile. Gentlemen, you can find me on uh, Google+, Plus, a new domain.net, or .com, I guess. Yeah, we're dot com also, now, baby. I guess. Also on Groovy Post and Dell's Tech Page One. Good Yipper. stuff. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, some things there too. Chris oh, Miller. I'm up, sorry, I thought he was. I thought he was. I thought he's, he's done. Going. Chris Miller. Uh, only two things. One, a uh, slew of product product reviews coming out under Spike Studio. We're doing. Uh, I got so many products stacked up on my desk. It's stupid. Number two, uh, do not forget that we will be launching the new Lego Show podcast coming up. For all the geeks in you, that's uh, Brick City. We have a Google community you can join now, and we will have the show up in a few weeks. 
Good stuff. Legos, exciting. Leg no, Lego. Do not say Lego. Lego. No S on the end. Uh, never an S. It's like moose. <laughs> not mooses, just moose. Thank you. Kevin, Simulate. Uh, hey, thank you guys for having me on. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, check out Simulate.com for perspectives, conversations, and discoveries from within the simulation. And uh, we'll also be launching the Techno Optimist podcast where we've been doing a lot of recording and Matt's going to be producing that with us. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Twitter at Techno Optimist and uh, hit me up there. Good hey, stuff. hey, Kevin, next time you aren't here, you have to have your beer and we're going to call you the grand verbalizer going forward. How about that? Well, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> get a lower third. We need to get him a lower third. Yeah, get you a lower Somebody third get too, that bro. guy a lower third, please. Appreciate you coming, God. bro. Yeah. yeah, man. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I got some articles on Tech Page One too. If you guys want to check those out, cord cutting article and a fishing article and uh, some Android app stuff. So cool site. I'm enjoying writing for that. And escape goats. And escape goats and the blame EP. The jamhole.com slash music. This has been Yats yet another tech show dot com. Find us on iTunes. Write us a review. We appreciate it. Leave us a message four zero six two zero four four six eight seven. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Good night, everyone. you all. Thanks, you guys. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.